Welcome to the More Than Hearers podcast. I am one half of this podcast team. Um, I'm Orion, and with me is Peter. We're talking Bible on this show. We are in episode 36. We're in Luke 13. And I think you want to contact us. I'm just get, I'm getting a little bit of a vibe that you want to you want to reach out to us even though we may have just met because that's the kind of I think energy that uh, we've got we've got that chemistry and if you want to reach out you can uh, you can hit us up on our website the email there podcast at more than hearers.com we're on facebook facebook.com slash more than hearers and we also I don't have my list in front of me so I'm totally winging this Wow, you're doing pretty well. Thanks. Uh, Facebook.com slash more than here's Twitter. The Twitters, yeah. So you've got the Twitters uh, at MTH underscore here. I'm uh, at Orion Plays Music, uh, where I'm sometimes known to uh, lambaste some companies for providing terrible email service uh, websites that I might administrate. Um <laughs> So find those there. You totally uh, threw me off with that, but okay, we're good. Some companies just deserve a little bit of a lashing. I think it's, it, to keep them honest, you know. I mean, I would sure. want that. I would. Yeah. I, I want to be shredded publicly if I'm uh, providing terrible, terrible service at the one thing that is, I'm supposed to be doing. Okay, that's what I was saying. Yeah, I don't want to be shredded publicly. Shred me privately. Uh, like send me an email DM and you of- on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Shred yeah, you fine. via the DM. Yeah. Um, direct message for those who aren't on the Twitters. Uh, a simple brief request. If you like what we're doing and you want to uh, help reach other people, we uh, accept donations. And you can do that through PayPal, the email there, podcast uh, at morethanhearers.com. And... Uh, thanks to those of you who've been contributing uh, so that we can reach out to more people and uh, and grow this community of Bible-studying folk who uh, know each other through this uh, internet thing called podcasting. Right. Right? Uh, there's only one thing you left out. Uh, it's pretty important, probably. No. Okay. It's because it's new. What is it? It's not like that. Oh, the, oh and... We're on the gram. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. We're on Instagram at I'm sure I'm sure it's just at more than hearers. No spaces, no dashes, yeah. no underscores. Just more than hearers. Which that's becoming. Uh, uh, the kids are using the gram more and the more. kids love the gram. If I if I were more resourceful, I'd figure out how to ways to do like Instagram stories of like us recording shows and stuff. But I'm not, or even pointing at my phone that's in my hand oh, that yeah, nobody can, can see because I don't post anything video related. I don't sure. know, whatever. Yeah. So, what yeah. was the other thing you thought I forgot? Uh, if you, you like what we do, oh yeah, leave a review. Uh, that, was that okay? That, it as, rhymes. As I was saying, I was like, "Oh no, what have I done?" But <laughs> it's a limerick. Okay. I, yeah. I, if you like so, what we do, leave a review. Take that. Uh, yeah. Share it with your friends. Uh, we've said it before. If you can't give us like five stars or cheeseburgers or whatever your podcast, five cheeseburgers, please. I'm not even hungry, and that sounds wonderful. Not all at once. <laughs> sure. I mean, if they're frozen or something. Okay, yeah. There yeah. we go. But if you if you if you feel like you can't rate us high, let us know why. Be like, hey, uh, I want you guys to do more of this. 
or do this differently or that or get rid of that Peter guy or whatever. I don't know. Dang. Let us know. I, I was going to say get rid of that what Orion I guy, but that I sounded harsh. Uh, it's okay. Maybe all right. You can I, – I, I like a public thrashing. So let me have it. Yeah, I don't if I deserve it. I mean, yeah, again, that, that I, works. The the company that I'm that I most recently been thrashing deserved it, and okay. I have the chat logs to show. So that's yeah. fine with me. I'm good. Yeah, where are we at today, Orion? Uh, Luke thirteen. Luke thirteen, which puts us about some fraction through the book. Through the book, <laughs> I didn't look up what that fraction might be. We are a little over halfway. Luke's got twenty four chapters. Uh, so 13 puts us into the second half of Luke. 13 24ths. Got it. That is the fraction. <laughs> now my head hurts. A lot. It's irreducible. It is. It's, it's a simplified <laughs> fraction. 13 24ths. Okay. I've been doing a lot of math lately. I don't want to do any tonight. It's, uh, or today. Or this morning. Right. Or tomorrow. Wow. <laughs> I, I, I mean, yeah. Okay. Luke chapter 13. Luke 13 starts off weird. Here we go. Starting in verse 1, it says, Now, there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Jesus answered, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. He goes, or those 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. What? Yeah. So there's, I had to do some research on this because I wanted to make sure I had the history right. Two accounts here that Jesus references. One is these Galileans whose blood Pilate mixed with their sacrifice. And then there's this tower in Siloam that fell down and crushed uh, some number of people, because I lost it. Uh, 18. 18, there we go. These were events known in Jesus' day. They are unfortunately both lost to history. Okay, then how, how do you make a claim like that, that they were known in Jesus' day but we don't know them. How can you say that they were known? The only way you can say that is because of how casually Jesus references them. Like, remember those people? Well, duh. Like, like people are like, oh yeah, those people. Okay. Yeah. I, mean, like, I would assume that too. Yeah. That's, that's, that's where we reach that assumption from. And it actually says in verse 1, there were some present at that time who told Jesus about this instance with the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. So he may not have even been directly privy to this information. Right. There, there's another account. Um, Pilate was a, he was a rough dude. You know, we, we like to analyze him only through the lens of Jesus' crucifixion and the way he handled that. And we kind of paint him as this bumbling idiot who was just trying to keep himself out of trouble. But there's a story that history records um, that uh, Pilate wanted to to build a new aqueduct or a waterway from uh, the pools of Solomon to another part of Jerusalem. And he felt like the Jews should have to pony up some of the money to make this civic project happen. In fact, they should pony up some temple money. And so some of the leaders, he got the money however. I don't know if they gave it to him or he took it or what. But a group of Jewish teachers and leaders came to protest, essentially. 
and history records that Pilate had some soldiers dress up as common folks and mingle among the crowd, and on his command, stabbed to death the people who were there begging for money. Wow. Begging for their money back. In order and to do it covertly, in order to make it look like a rebellion from within, it or? wasn't soldiers. It was just some run by stabbing. Wow! Like they just dropped dead, and it shut the argument up. And probably people knew who it was and what it was, but it didn't look like an official government action because it was just guys dressed in plain clothes who were then not prosecuted for their crimes. Right? Yeah, exactly. Like we'll deal with them. It's Roman business. You go about your day. Wow. While we build our aqueduct. So Pilate did some dumb stuff. And and so Jesus references this thing about Pilate. And he references this other thing. And and I I don't want to get caught on what happened in the actual events. Because Jesus isn't caught on the actual events. Verse 2. He says, Do you think that these Galileans were worse than other sinners? Or were worse sinners than all the other Galileans? Because they suffered this way. And he goes, no, and then, and then verse 4, I'm skipping ahead, he goes, or the 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? And Jesus goes, no. We know from other places in the Bible that people, uh, it was culturally thought that when bad things happened to people, it was because of some sin in their lives. Like, is this guy blind because he sinned or because his parents sinned? Right. Like, he's blind because of sin, right? Like... This thing happened to these Galileans because they were awful people, right? This tower fell on these on these people because they were awful people, right? Jesus goes, no, it ha- it's not because one person's better than another. He goes, in both cases, he goes, but unless you repent, you're going to perish. And I, I was as I was researching the historicity of this, I bumped into something I would not have known otherwise. So verse uh, 3, he's referencing the Galileans, and he goes, I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. And then verse 5, he's referencing the tower falling down, and he goes, I tell you, unless you repent, you too will all perish. These two words for repent in the Greek, not the same. Interesting find. Ah, like I said, I wouldn't have known unless I was researching the history of this. Researching? Researching. It's okay, you got Galileans... Flawlessly for like a, a number of times, and then historicity twice, I think. So you're good. Yeah, okay, good. All right, good. So in verse three, where it says, I tell you no, but unless you repent, the word there in the Greek refers to an ongoing attitude of repentance, of living a life of repentance, continuing to repent of your sins as they happen type repentance. Whereas in verse five, where he goes, I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you will, you too will all perish. It is a finality type. It's a repentance once and you never turn back. So what's the, what's the takeaway? I'm not, I don't know. I don't get it. I just, I'm sure it's there, but I don't know. And and you could go, well, the one is this thing and the other is this thing. The point that Jesus is trying to get to, I think, um, regardless of the the contrast of the two words, I just thought it was interesting, is this idea of, and and Orion knows this, and some of you listeners probably know this too, I have been stuck on why do we get so focused on other people's sins? Why do we get so focused on whose sins might be worse? Well, these sins are worse than mine, so I'm going to call these out. And I'm going to protest against them. I'm going to stand against them. But 
but my stuff, I'm, I'm just going to let my, my stuff's not that bad. I'm not a murderer. I'm not a, I'm trying to think of another thing besides murderer, but murder's pretty bad. I don't, you know, I don't rob little old ladies. I don't go purse snatching. I don't knock off liquor stores or whatever it might be. You know, I'm not as bad as, we were just talking about this, Orion, uh, before the show. Um, thank God I'm not like this tax collector, yeah. right? We want to be that guy. I want to be that guy. I want to go, well, I'm not, you know, killing kids. I'm not robbing old ladies. I'm not burning down houses. I'm not shooting up schools. I'm not whatever. So I'm okay, right? And Jesus goes, nope, unless you repent unless you repent you too will perish and he references these two tragedies and he goes look he doesn't say it but it's inferred you don't know when your life is going to be required of you a tower could fall on you and crush you you and 17 of your closest friends you don't know so you better repent and it goes back to what we talked about in the last episode it was right at the end of chapter 12 where jesus goes uh you're on your way to court with your adversary, you better make it right with him while you're on your way, because you know if you get there, the judge is going to rule against you, and you're going to get thrown in jail until you pay back everything. And we we talked about how it's true of our lives is as we're walking with God, we have this opportunity to settle our account with Him while we're here, and if we don't, we're going to get to the judgment, and it's going to rule against us, and we're going to be locked away, whatever that means. I. Ready, go ahead. I looked in Strong's Concordance for the Greek for that repent, both examples of that, and it shows up the same word. It's the both tense times. of the verb. Not the, sorry, they're not different words. Now i got to find it. So now you killed me because I just had it. But the phrase is identical in, in all the other respects. So Let me see it. Anyway, Let me see it. Hang on. You can take that one offline. But, uh, all right, fine. I mean, you can take it online. I don't know. I will I thrash you publicly on the internet. Me? Personally? <laughs> if you deserve it. Um, I've shown that oh, I'm not uh, above that. It's a, Apparently, so here's the thing I found. Uh, um, it's, it's the ancient Greek grammar. We see that Jesus mentioned two kinds of repentance, and both are essential. Um, and it doesn't give me the background for, oh, maybe it does. Ah, uh, it won't do it on my phone, and I don't have a computer in front of me. Um, it's all right. Something for the show notes, maybe. It's the fun. tense of the verb. Yeah, we'll have to look it up. Because I, yeah, I would, I would like to know if there is a difference. I'd, I'd even like to dig and find out what that possibly, you know, is meant by the difference. But yeah, same here. I just don't see it in the, uh, in the Greek here. Okay, I'm good. Let's move on. Yeah. Okay, we, we, we I'm need... letting you go. Yeah. No, it's okay. I want to be right. I'm not, tr- and I know you're okay with that. So that's yeah, fine. absolutely. I, well. I was going to say, I want to be right. That sounds so terrible. I want to be right, too. No, <laughs> I want to be right. No, I do. No, yeah. Yes, <laughs> yeah. and I do, right? Like yeah. that, that's what we're, we're striving for. And not like, I'm sure I've said it at a, uh, a Sunday school class. We, we attend the same adult Sunday school we do. thing. And uh, there's a lot of history there. We've been doing that for a lot of years. But uh, I, yeah, I, I've said in that class and, and elsewhere that, I really want to be right, but not for the sake of being right, like to win an argument. I think if everybody desires to be right in a righteous sense, like let's all be thinking the right things. Let's all have the same correct information. Then it's, a, if, it's a pursuit of truth. Yes. And yeah. then if, if one of us falls uh, 
not that there's some mark of perfection that we're going for. If if one of us uh, ends up being led astray, how about, okay, that others would be bold enough to correct them and that we would be humble enough to receive that correction so that we can get back on track. I, I think this is a biblical principle. I feel like I'm talking about like an ideal paradise world that can't happen, but... I mean, that's what my goal is, and I think not, not everyone's into it. So I, I'm, I'm so thankful for our friendship that we have that together. Totally. And, I, I and if you're listening to this podcast, then that, that's, that's where we're at. We're, yeah. we're, we're trying to uh, bring people uh, into a deeper understanding of biblical truth. And we're trying ourselves to get to a deeper understanding of biblical yeah, truth. Absolutely. So you're just part of our journey. I mean, yeah. welcome. The More you. Than Heroes podcast. Yeah. Five stars. <laughs> yeah. I almost want to stay here on this only because I don't want to read what comes next. Oh, that's cop out right there. I know. It's the escape. I, I want to sit I was like, I'm going to say it. This is the worst parable in the Bible. But then we get angry <laughs> emails. I'm going to read it and you decide for yourself how you feel about this parable. You ready? Mm-hmm. Verse six. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but he didn't find any. So he said to the man to take care of the vineyard, For three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree, and I haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, Leave it alone for one more year, and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. And that's the end of the parable. It kind of feels like we're missing part of the Bible, like the middle of the page. It's just, where'd it go? Because literally the next verse starts talking about something completely different. And it never goes back to address that parable. And, and I can see truth in the parable, except I'm, I feel like I'm left hanging without a resolution. Did the tree produce more fruit? Did they cut it down? Right. Did the gardener figure it out? Like, and how harsh that... Like, soil's got to be the cheapest thing on on the planet. Like, dirt. Like, yeah. some some fairly well-fertilized dirt. But he's concerned that this thing is using up the soil. I mean, like, he really has it in for this tree. But but the guy owns a vineyard. He's, he's making figs. Like, he's a fig farmer. Sure. So, if you're a fig farmer and you're... That sounds so weird to say. <laughs> Big farmer. <laughs> I'm going to go home and say that three times fast into the mirror. You're going to probably say something uh, bad. <laughs> probably, you do yeah. It's probably going to have to be some present repentance and ultimate <laughs> repentance. Um, so I'm going to slip. So this, uh, But if you say you're a tomato farmer and you have fields and fields of tomatoes, but you have one tomato vine that's not producing any tomatoes but you're still watering it like all the other tomatoes. It's wasting your money and not making you any money. Sure. Even though you've got like 35 acres of tomatoes, if you get that one tomato plant that's not doing you any good, it's got to go. I get it. Yeah, so that's the thing. It. Like, It's just how much space. I don't know. How big is a fig tree? It's not that big. I mean, they're, they, can, they're, they can be. But Let's cut it down. Yeah. I'm no. on board. No, no, not yet. One more year. I'm going to dig around <laughs> it and fertilize it. And, and, it's, and it's us because there's other passages uh, in the book of John where, you know, Jesus talks about the vine and the branches, right? Mm. It's 14 or, John 14 or 15. And, and he goes, if you remain in me and produce fruit, but any, any branch that doesn't produce fruit, it's going to be cut off and thrown into the fire. 
And so there's, I can see this in that about us of, you know, we're not producing fruit and God who owns the vineyard goes, got to go. And it's almost Jesus going, let me work on this guy. Let me fertilize him. Let me pour into him a little bit. Give him a little extra attention and let's see where it goes. That's literally God interceding on our behalf before God. Yeah, now you're getting weird. Okay, sorry. No, it's okay. But it's almost the picture of of the coming of Jesus at this time. Sure. Of the nation of Israel has been rebellious for years, and God goes, I'm tired of coming to this thing and finding no fruit, right? Yeah. And Jesus goes, let me try this cross thing out. You come back in a year. Let's see where we're at. That's what I could pull from it. I just wish there was a resolution on the end of it. Sure. Instead of... If, uh, verse 9, if it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down and seen. It's just so weird. I don't know. Verse 10, on a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. And when Jesus saw her, he called her forward and he said to her, Woman, you're set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, There are six days for work, Mm -hmm. so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. Oh, How would you like to be the guy that's venerated for all time for having said that? Is that the word venerated? I don't know. Isn't that like a reverence thing? Yeah. You mean publicly humiliated? Yeah. Yeah. Right? I was I was looking at more like recorded for all posterity. I got you. So yeah, yeah your your existence is documented forever. forever. Your mor- moronicness? Mor- <laughs> I'll take help it. Me. Okay. Your idiocy is recorded for all time in the greatest book ever sold. The synagogue produced. leader. Yeah. Get out of here with that healing mess. There's six days to work. What the heck? Yeah, remember that it was a principle of the law. Healing? Uh, and he didn't even... He called her up. She's the one that came forward. All he did was touch her. He goes, uh, woman, you're set free from your infirmity. And then he put his hands on her and immediately she straightened up and praised God. He didn't even do one of those weird like chiropractic adjustments. He didn't roll out the portable table and like... right. Lay here, and I'm going to push on this knot in your back. Like he just touched her. Yeah, straighten up. No more. You're no more in bondage to this uh, malady you've you've acquired. And this is another example of the principle I think I've talked about on here before of clean and unclean. And Jesus, when he encounters unclean, like the 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 leper, Jesus touches, and immediately the guy's cleansed of his leprosy. This idea of leprosy was unclean. Jesus, technically according to the law, touches an unclean man. Jesus should become unclean. But that can't happen. By the law, but that can't happen because Jesus is the essence of clean. So therefore, if he touches something unclean, the only thing that could happen was be for that thing to be made clean instead. And it's this again because it says that a woman, verse 11, a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. And so when Jesus touches her, the moment Jesus touches her, that spirit can no longer occupy her. That spirit probably didn't make it. Probably not. It didn't even get pigs. The other ones got cast out and at least got like, hey, can we go into the pigs? Yeah. And then they at least 
stay there long enough to go into the river and drown or the, whatever the lake and drown yeah. right yeah. but this one probably just uh, it's no more yeah it's so cool though i i love this because it's 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 such a beautiful picture of jesus being the fulfillment of the law not the abolishment of the law not the removal of the law but the fulfillment of the law something can no longer be unclean if jesus occupies the same space so when jesus touches that woman that unclean impure evil spirit can no longer be there that's good stuff and so yeah what's she gonna do straighten up and then the synagogue leader is gonna be like uh uh you can't, you can't, you can't make things clean on the Sabbath. I'm bonehead, man. So, it's the it's the most asinine. The guy's a jerk. Th- yeah, like, uh, and for what purpose? Oh man, it's uh, yeah. But what's you, the game? you almost wonder if there weren't some. I, I don't want to pick on old ladies, man, but I'm gonna do it. You got to wonder if there's some old ladies in the back of the synagogue going, "You tell them, Reverend." Oh. This healing's not for today. He could have done that tomorrow or yesterday. It doesn't need to be doing that in here. But then there's other people who are like, she's, she's standing up, bro. Like, if God didn't want it on the Sabbath, it wouldn't have happened. Like a small circle of guys, like, high-fiving each other. Yeah, God would, you know, really respects the, the law over this uh, healing act. Like, there's just, just a thing that God's like, that's right. No healing on my day. Like, what a weird thing to think that that's what God is going to be. The synagogue leader, the guy in charge of the whole place place of worship of God, thinks that the God that we serve is all about no healing on that day. It's just like... There are six other days for healing, though, Ryan. I realize that the the ratio strongly stacks in favor of non-Sabbath days as far as, like possible opportunities but if it comes up and it's the sabbath i just i don't get like they're serving the same god but their their opinion of him was that he didn't want this woman to be well today she can wait till tomorrow and if, and so much that that he condemns the behavior. he stood up i i think if i remember right i gotta go back to it uh oh i thought there was an exclamation point she stood up i don't, I don't see no, no i thought he, <laughs> Yeah, uh, and it says he was, verse 14, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. He was, he wasn't like, it's not even like he stood up and went, irked. Okay, everybody, <laughs> uh, great stuff, good work, Jesus. Remember, though, for future reference, six days for healing but uh, and work. But really, let's not today, please. Next time, can we? Can we just? postpone tomorrow or, or even on friday be good if you don't mind no it says he was indignant like what how uh, t- there are six days for work man so what does jesus say to him i love it <laughs> verse 16 the lord answered him you hypocrites exclamation point doesn't each of you on the sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? (laughs) I love this. Luke goes, when he said this, all his opponents were humiliated. (laughs) They were served. The people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. And Luke's drawing a contrast here, and it's important because it, 
it carries into Luke's uh, account of Acts, of the Acts of the Apostles. He's drawing a dividing line between the people and the religious leaders of the people. And, and, and you even see it in the account of um, John the Baptist sending word to Jesus when he's in prison. Jesus wasn't in prison. No. John was. I would, that sorry, came out it. wrong. <laughs> John's in prison. He's facing death. And he says to his, his followers, he goes, hey, go find my cousin um, and ask him if he's the one who's to come or, or should we expect another? And so the, John's disciples go and they ask Jesus this question. And Jesus says some really cool stuff about John. But he goes, tell John what you see. The blind see. The deaf hear. The lame walk. And he goes, and the good news is preached to the poor. The common poor person was marginalized in this society. We read a lot about Pharisees and Sadducees and this kind of thing. These were elitist religious leaders. They would, um, you know, Jesus, it talks about where Jesus was flipping over uh, tables in the temple, money changers and that kind of thing. So much so that if you came to the temple to give money, that's Roman money you're carrying in your pocket. You can't give that to the temple you'll have to exchange it for temple money. The exchange rate is favorable in the temple end of things, but you've got to do You can't give Caesar, you can't give Gentile money to a holy God. Mm. And this was, they were holding this over people's heads. And that's this whole idea of Luke drawing this differentiation between the religious leaders and the people. And he goes, um, this, you know, all of Jesus' critics, his opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. I wanted to comment on the wording, the word choice of Jesus here. I'm ready. Because it's, um, what's, I, I wanted, I don't want to use the wrong word there, but there, I tend to not think of Jesus probably correctly. I don't know what I think about it. Uh, it's like uh, Jesus the Lamb, the gentle uh, Prince of Peace and all that stuff, right? That's like kind of the default view. I think yeah. we talked about this before. But he's such he's a wordsmith here. Like his, his choice of words are specifically digs at the, at the people. The, the end result that his opponents were humiliated was yeah. the goal. And yeah. the, the words support this goal. Uh just to reiterate in verse 16, well, even comparing uh, in, in 15, he, so he, he says, you know, don't, don't each of you untie your ox or your donkey, just some common animals, right? Right. So then should not this woman... Who's a daughter of Abraham. Yeah, a human being, okay, woman, a daughter of Abraham, that's something that appealed to them more than it would appeal to you or I probably as Gentile modern-day believers, but to, a, to the Jewish leaders... Abraham, their, maybe their chief hero. Yeah. Like a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan, which we all agree is the enemy. He's a bad guy. Has kept bound for 18 long years, he says. Doesn't just, it's not just 18 years. He's got the adjective long yeah. to accentuate that this is a really terrible thing that she's had to endure because of Satan's affliction. But isn't she deserving of... What a you know the the fresh water that a donkey or an ox would get, and uh, yeah, be, but then yeah, be be set free on the Sabbath day from what bounder? But the the whole wrapping up like you were gonna fight it 
because it's on the Sabbath. Right. Like all this other stuff, she doesn't get the same freedom as your ox because it's on the Sabbath. And just the way he sculpts that. And so Jesus is way cleverer than the default view of him in my head is. Where we see him peaceful. as almost silent. Sure. And meek and meek. Yeah. But this is not meekness. This no. is a this is a a man sticking up for the downtrodden. Yeah. Which I love. Yeah. I'm, I mean it's a it's a empowering to to be to know that I'm following that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's super cool. It's not in here, but you almost I almost wish you would have gone what eighteen long years she's been bound up? Why haven't you done something yourselves? Mm. Why did you have to? Why did I have to wait till this? And Sabbath what could day? they do? Well, and that was but, I think the last episode of the episode before, where he's like, uh, "Who of you by worrying can add even an hour to his life?" And since you can't even you do, do this, this simple, simple thing, <laughs> like, like, you can't even do like can't even do that. Eighteen. Then Jesus asked, "What is the kingdom of God like?" What shall I compare it to? It is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds perched in its branches. Again he asked, What shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked through all the dough. I love this because... Um, in both of these cases, he takes this little thing and shows how it has this huge effect. And it's he's likening the kingdom of God to it, but I, it's almost even the faith of the Christian. Or the, the phrase that's coming out of Ryan is the Christian religion, which I know is accurate, but I hate saying it. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay with me. Christianity, you get to Luke, the end of Luke, you get to Acts chapter 1, and it's like, 11 guys plus some of their buddies and they change the world to the point now where we're sitting here uh, recording a podcast about it. And from what I see, there's lots of other people recording podcasts about the Bible and about God. And there are churches in every town, everywhere. There are churches in nations where they don't even allow churches. Yes. And it was this little seed that has just grown so huge. So much so that you can go into Christian bookstores and buy a necklace with a little mustard seed in it. Uh, I don't doubt it. Because there's a market for these things. Because sure. Christianity is so huge. Because it start, but it started with this one seed. Ah, it's cool. I don't know. I'm sure there's greater theological implications of these passages, but I like them. Uh, these from are, that aspect. Yeah. What were you going to say? I was going to say uh, there's another verse. I can't remember if it's New or Old Testament, but. We just talked about it uh, in our uh, Sunday school class, but uh, the comparison about how a little yeast spoils the whole batch. or I think it might have even been the last episode, Be on Your Guard Against the Yeast of the Pharisees. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Last, okay. last episode, uh, uh, Luke 12, verse 1. Okay, that's where it was. Yeah. But, but I, I feel like it should read, uh, Makes the Bread Edible. <laughs> yeah, but it's but it's used in a negative context there, right? Like it's it's it, because these were a people, you know, that old feast of unleavened bread. Yeah, yeah. But, but that was, I, I think, something that they had to endure. Right, right. Yeah, but it, not like they oh, culturally yay, unleavened identified bread. with unleavened bread. Yes, yeah. And, and the yeast at, 
to the unleavened bread. Uh, spoil it spoils the unleavened bread. Yeah, it just so happens that it makes the bread tastier. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Texture and better, more for filling. Sure. Yeah, because okay. I'm a texture guy. Same with foods. Same. Yeah, there are a lot of foods I don't like just because of texture. And that's fair. I think that's fair. I like everything a tomato makes. Yeah. I don't like tomatoes. I understand. Okay, good. I don't know how we got from here to there, but anyway, in this one, it doesn't seem that the yeast is is so evil. <laughs> this one, it's the kingdom of God. It's yeah. like yeast. Yay! Wait, what? What? <laughs> where, what? We're not supposed to use it. Verse twenty-two. Then Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? Man. He said to them, yes. Oh, no. I didn't say that. <laughs> he said to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. Then you will say, we ate and drank with you and, and, and you taught in our streets. But he'll reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, all you evildoers. There will be weeping there and gnashing of teeth. And you, when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves thrown out. People will come from east and west and north and south and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. Indeed, there will be those who are last who will be first and first who will be last. I saw something in this passage I didn't see before. I love it. Tell me. I love this. So he tells this story about the narrow door and the, the, passage, the verse that got me was verse 39, 29, sorry, verse 29. People will come from east and west and north and south and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. When you read the Old Testament, anytime you see, almost any time, most of the time, when you see the word nations, lowercase n, mm-hmm. nations, it means any nation except for Israel. Right. This is people coming from the east and the west and the north and the south. Not Israel. Not Israel. It will take your place. Take it their, says, take, we'll take their places, sorry, yeah. in the feast of the kingdom of God. Uh, before that, it says, you'll see Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves will be thrown out, and people will come from everywhere else to take their place in the kingdom. It's, it's cool. I mean, it's, it's unfortunately a harsh indictment on Israel um, and their rejection of God. It, it might look like, on the surface, that Jesus is awfully harsh towards Israel. In several cases and instances, he just hammers on the, the Jewish, the mainstream Jewish thought process. But you have to remember, if you look at the Bible and you back away from it, you look at it as a whole body of work from beginning to end, from Genesis to Revelation. This is not, the Jews' rejection of not just Jesus, but of God isn't new. It's not like they just started doing it when Jesus came along and they're like, oh, no, that's a new God thing and we're not doing that. And you're like, well, couldn't you cut them some slack? They didn't see it coming. 
they had rejected God again and again and again. It was basically a lifestyle by this time. Right. They would rejected him in the wilderness after he had set them free from Egypt. He rejected them, you know, they rejected him over and over again. They rejected prophets and put them to death. And they got exiled into Assyria, into Babylon, into Persia. And they finally came back and, and they rejected God again and again and again and again. And so... This indictment by Jesus isn't like a one and done. It's not like, oh, oh you, you didn't like me. You want to play with my toys? One strike. I'm going out. somewhere else. Like this has been hundreds, if not thousands, of years of rebellion against God. So, um, but that uh, make every effort to enter through the narrow door because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. And once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading. Sir, open the door for us. And then he gives this. He goes, but, but he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. And he actually repeats that in verse 27. I don't know you or where you come from. And away from me, all you evildoers. And you go, what does this mean for me? And it's really simple. Know God and make sure that God knows you. God can't go, I don't know you. If he knows you. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. I, I, can, you, can you make that more, um, more applicable? I mean, like, I don't know, I don't know how applicable it, it needs to be. I, I think of um, if, if I'm like, yeah, we, we ate and drank with you and you taught in our streets. Like, this is reference to Jesus. Yeah. His earthly His ministry. ministry. Absolutely. So... I don't know how much that, you know, mo- most people, uh, nobody, as far as I know, today can, can say, oh, yeah, we, you know, Jesus taught in our streets and we hung out with him. Uh, I, know, I know him because it's a different kind of knowledge we have of Jesus. We went to high school together. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> yeah. yeah. I graduated from the same sco- high school as uh, Lois Lane. What? Amy Adams. Amy Adams. She plays Lois Lane oh, in gotcha. the, new, uh, the new DC Universe. Not, not old Lois Lane from the 70s. Okay, well, we, nor the one from the 90s, uh, Terry Hatcher. No, this is uh, Amy Adams, current Lois Lane. Okay. We graduated from the same high school. What, how many years apart? Two. Were you at the same time? No. No. Oh. She graduated two years before me. I only went there for my senior year. Okay, But we graduated from the same high school. Okay, yeah. It's kind of this, But she right? doesn't know you, right? No, she, she I don't even... So don't, don't go knocking at her door, that'd be weird. No, yeah. Uh, <laughs> depart from me, I never knew you. I'm calling the police, you evildoer. Yeah, uh, pretty much. There, I think there's a parallel. I don't know if it's a direct parallel, but the the verse that came to mind reading this as well is the um, where Jesus goes, uh, many will come to me in that day and go, Lord, we cast out demons mm-hmm. in your name. And he goes, depart from me, I never knew you. That's, and then to this of the parallel for sure. I don't know you. That's a, ooh, it, it kind of hit me of how harsh was it then when Peter said to the lady at the fire, mm. I never knew the man. Uh, ugh, yeah. That's uglier than I saw it before. But yeah. um, this idea of, of knowing God, of getting to know him, of having a relationship with him, we talk about that so much in Christianity of it's not a religion, it's a relationship. It's all about relationship. It's all about relationship. And we better have one. At that time, verse 31, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. 
Herod really just wanted to kill John, and they wanted to kill Jesus. But he goes, he replied, go tell that fox. <laughs> Do you careful, see this? Careful, careful. <laughs> Do you see this? It's like you were talking about this. Clever Jesus is a Jesus. funny dude, right? Yeah. Like, you go tell that fox. I'll keep on driving out demons and healing people today and tomorrow. And on the third day, I will reach my goal. Wow. In any case, I must press on today and tomorrow and the next day. For surely no prophet can die outside Jerusalem. What does he mean by no prophet can die outside of Jerusalem? Uh, there, There's a reference, uh, there's a verse that talks about um, no prophet is accepted in his hometown and Jesus even mentions, you killed your prophets. It's the next verse. Oh, I found it. <laughs> no, you found it. <laughs> you can't cross-reference with the same verse, huh? That's probably uh, uh, All right. 34, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. Look. Your house is left to you desolate. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, which is what they said on Palm Sunday. It's just crazy to me. Crazy. I love this because they lie. Uh, Verse 31 is a lie. At that time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, You better go, man. Leave this place. Go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. Jesus goes, tell Mama be here for the next three days. And then he goes, you guys want to kill every prophet who ever comes here. Every prophet. You kill them, you stone those sent to you, and he goes, how I've longed to gather you as a hen gathers her chicks under her wing, but you're not willing. And, and even the dig, surely no prophet can die outside Jerusalem. Like, they're safe anywhere else. Right, yeah, like... like like what they're not going he's not going to kill me in Galilee like I got to leave Jerusalem if I go to Bethany I'm okay yeah. if I head over to Jericho it's just fine right I'm good like well, I'm okay there it's so he's so I, I think you're right like especially as we've dug through Luke Orion for me this snarky Jesus this yeah. what do we say sarcastic Jesus yeah. I think a couple weeks right. ago um of um Jesus' comebacks are so good. Like, he could have just called them out for the lie. That's no fun. He, he could have been have like, they could have been like, uh, you need to leave because Herod wants to kill you. He could have been like, no, he doesn't. You do. And he goes, you go tell him. I'm going to keep on driving out demons and healing people. I'm going to do it today and tomorrow. And on the third day, I'll reach my goal. He goes, in any case, I got to keep doing this. Like, like a prophet's not going to die outside Jerusalem. He goes, gosh, darn it, you dummies. How long I've wanted you, and I love this picture, to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. Such a, this is that lamb Jesus again, right? Yeah. Right? Of just this, I want to hold you in close and safe and warm 
I want us to just be together and be your covering and your protection and everything. But you're not willing. That's the craziest thing about it, of like just this this complete lack of willingness. And he goes, your house is left to you desolate. I tell you, you won't see me again till you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And he's just, it's back to that, that principle from a couple of chapters ago where he goes, go to this town and uh, let your peace lay on them. But if they reject you, just kick the dust off your feet and go. Go on to the next place. Don't waste your time. And that's this Jesus here. He goes, your house is left to you desolate. I'm going to go. I'm not going to come again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I see one thing here that might not be a thing, but I... It, I'm ready. But it makes it makes the thing for me, or I, I made it a thing. Okay. He seems to be saying, go, uh, you know, go tell him. I'm going to keep at this work, driving out the demons, healing people today, tomorrow. And then the third day, I will reach my goal as if that's how long it's going to take him to finish his work. But then I see this illusion, allusion, excuse me, to the resurrection. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I think so. And it was it was the first day, the day he died, that he said the words, it is finished. Yep. The fulfillment of the law. That was when it it was finished. Because the, the sacrifice for sin. The pure Correct. sacrifice for sin. But on the third day, when he rose... He reaches his goal. That's the goal. That is the 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 death of death. That's where he conquered death. I he like conquered. The, I like the death of death. That's cool. Thank you. Yeah, he yeah. Con- he conquered sin, or he took on the sin. You know, on the I mean, you can hyperanalyze it, I guess. But he took on the sin. He became our sin as a sacrifice and died, fulfilling the law, and then. When he rose, that was that was it. There's no there's no more damage that Satan can do at that point, and uh, that's the goal. Because back to the conversation we had earlier about Jesus touching an unclean thing. Once death, once sin no longer equaled death in Jesus's resurrection, mm. it's done. It can't in Jesus. Sin can no longer equal death anymore. It's it's the coolest. It, it's almost math. Didn't we start out talking yeah, about how much we don't hoping, like math? You were hoping to avoid it? it but there it is. You are hoping to avoid it today, tomorrow, and the third day? Je- <laughs> Jesus plus sin equals not death. <laughs> yeah. Jesus plus sin equals negative sin. Oh, I, I like this formula. I, I'm good with this math. <laughs> if we had to finish on math, that's the math to finish on. Mm-hmm.